Turn in your Bibles now to John chapter 1, 10 through 13. John chapter 1, 10 through 13, all right? We're going to start there as we're talking about a new series for the holiday season, and that is we're going to talk about the family. Uh, the family is, is, is such an important uh, organization, if you could call it. It's, it's such an important uh, uh, mechanism in the kingdom of God, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And it is something that we've got to understand that we need to go to the manufacturer or the creator of family to allow him to define it because we live in a fallen world. And uh, sometimes the world wants to dictate to us what family is to look like. And what we see nowadays, I believe, is not what God had designed. And so we're going to dive into the word. We're going to study his word this month so that you can have a great understanding and strengthen your families, and especially for you uh, younger folks, maybe you single folks, or maybe some of you young couples that are starting out and, and, and looking to create your own families. Listen, there's no better uh, uh, blueprint to follow than God's word. Amen. So let's start here. John chapter one, verse 10 through 13. It says this, he, speaking of Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now that this word would strengthen our lives, it would renew our minds, and Father, that you would give us foundations to strengthen our families and to build strong families. Lord, I thank you that every person in here has influence. They have influence over their children. They have influence over uh, other family members, people on the workforce, people in our communities. And I pray, Lord God, that as you strengthen us, we're able to strengthen others with your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. John 1, 10, 13 is a very important scripture. It's really what separates us from the rest of the religions of the world. The rest of the religions of the world, they worship God. Uh, they call him creator. They call him many names. But only Jesus came and brought us 
God and presented him to us as father. It's a, it's, it's a profound thing. He's, he, he moves from just being uh, uh, God, the creator that, that Israel knew him as to when Jesus came and sacrificed, he came to reveal God as a father, not just a king, not just a Lord, not just a creator, but actually the word daddy. Come on, somebody, you should get excited about that. Now, I know the world would try to lie to you and try to tell you that everybody on planet Earth is a child of God. But that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say, the one I just read to you, says that it's only through Jesus Christ that you and I become sons of God. Folks, this is why it's so important. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, how can you not share this message? You got cousins, you got brothers and sisters, you got people you work with that you say hi to every day and we're afraid to invite them to church. We're afraid to talk to them about Jesus. It makes no sense. The only thing we can draw from why we feel this way is because we're deceived by Satan himself to where we lose the potency of the message that you and I have. We also lose the potency of the blessing that God has given us. And the blessing is this. We were once lost, but now we're found. We were once orphans, fatherless but then Jesus came into our life and he gave us the Bible says the right to become sons and daughters of God it's the equivalent of being adopted by a very rich man come on somebody maybe you ran the streets but now you've been adopted by somebody who is the richest person in the universe. And we all know this, what is the father's is inherited by his children. And we lose the potency of this because some of us in this room still wanna live like we're fatherless. We still wanna live like we're not a part of God's family. Because we believe a lie. We believe what the enemy tells us instead of what God's love letter speaks to us about. And that is his Bible. Can I get an amen? amen. Church, I'm going to say it till the day I die. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Well, pastor, I'm not that good a reader. Well, read what you can. Come to church. Let me teach you the word, be discipled in the word, because if you learn the word, you understand what is truth and what is a lie. Can I get an amen on that? Let's go a little further. Let's look at first John chapter three, one and two. I want you to highlight these on your phone in your, in your Bible, whatever you do, because this is who you are. Look at this. It says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called, we, children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. 
But beloved, now we're children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, listen, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And so what the Bible's trying to get into you is this. You are no longer of the world. You are now adopted and graft into the family of God to where what is his is yours. And you are going to be just like your daddy. Ooh, some of you never heard them words, huh? Never wanted to hear those words. But I'm not talking about your earthly daddy. I'm talking about your heavenly father. Guys, this is the blessing of being born again. This is the blessing of following Jesus Christ. We get to inherit his blessings on our life. Let's keep reading Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 19 through 22. It says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners. One translation even says this. You are now no longer orphans, but now you're fellow citizens with the saints and members. Here it is again of the household of God. Now, how many of y'all know every household has a set of rules? Let me say it to you like this. Every household has a culture. Come on, did your mom and dad ever say, uh-uh, not in this house, you won't? How many had a mama that told you that? Uh-uh, you ain't talking like that in this house. So what are they doing? They're telling you the culture of the household. Well, let me tell you something. God has a household as well. Let's keep reading. Uh, it says, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, having been built, it says, on the foundation of the apostles, which is New Testament. And catch this one now. And also on the prophets, which is the Old Testament. Tell your neighbor right now, don't throw that part out. Don't throw that part out. It's the old and the new. Look what it says. And Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So what are, we, what are we learning today? Well, we're learning this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are part of his family. You're part of his family. But here's where the problem begins to lie is that each one of us has a different definition of family. Each one of us, that word stirs up different feelings in us. For some, the word family is very painful because maybe your family at a young age was broken apart. Some of you, maybe family is a painful thing because you hated being home as a child because all you saw your mom do was shoot up, do drugs. 
All you saw your mom and dad do was fight physically, where you would come home and your dad would just beat your mom. And in your mind, that's family. So we have a problem when we say the word family. We cannot assume that we all know what that is. Because if we went by our experiences or like the world says, our truth, then everybody's definition of family matters. But the Bible is something that is called absolute truth. And it is the truth that we use to judge other quote unquote truths. Are you tracking with me right now? I don't want to lose you right there because the world is into this thing right now. Oh, well, that's my truth. That's my truth. We're changing even things, uh, even facts, you know. Oh, no, if I think it's that, then it's that. Don't get me started on all that, y'all. And we're redefining truth. But there's something you can't ever redefine, and that is absolute truth, which we believe the Bible is. We believe that it is God's word. It cannot lie. We believe this wisdom was not written by man. Because at the time that it was written, it went against the times. At a time when, men, when women were looked down upon, the gospels tell us that Jesus elevated women. He lifted women. Nobody in their right mind would have wrote a book like that in those times. It's too great a book. No man would have ever written, you should love your wife like Christ loves the church. No man would have written that because that's too hard. Come on, somebody. No woman would have ever written wives submit to your husbands. Come on, y'all would have left that part out, right? Only the wisdom of God would give truths like this. And so as we dive into this series about family, We've got to look at what God says about family. And we're going to look beyond your experience to redefine it in your mind. Because your experience may have been bad. And for that, we are sorry. Maybe your experience, the best experience you got was what you saw on TV. Come on, some of us older folks, you remember shows that we we learned about family from, right? Right? If you grew up in the 80s, you learned about a family uh, by watching The Cosby Show, right? That was a big show in the 80s, you know, where dad was a doctor, mom was a lawyer. They lived in a fancy house, right? How many remember those things? And some of us watched those things and were like, dang, I wish that was my life. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Or, or when I was little, we used to, we watched The Brady Bunch. Y'all remember the Brady Bunch? I'm I'm, I'm dating myself, but I see some of y'all. Y'all remember the Brady Bunch? Six kids living together and nobody was punching each other. Come on, amen? They weren't punching each other. They weren't hitting each other, except accidentally with a football, but that was that one episode. Tell me y'all remember that. And so we kind of then develop a romanticized definition of family. To where we begin to think, oh, family should be perfect. And if anybody here has a family, 
you know that's impossible. It's not like it is on TV. Come on, if the Brady Bunch was in real life, them, they, 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 people have been rushed to the hospital. Greg would have broke Peter's nose several times. Them girls would have been going at, come on, you know what I'm talking about. And so we look, we, we have skewed views of what family is. And so then when we read the Bible, we bring that junk with us. And so when we read that the church is, is, a, is a actual, it's a family. Some of y'all come to church and think, oh, well, then that means it's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to hurt my feelings. Everybody's going to treat me nice. And how many of you know that's not what family is? How many ever had a brother and sister that didn't treat you nice, but they were still your brother? still your sister. Oh, come on. Is this helping anybody today? And so we bring these romanticized views into something. And I'm just telling you, it's, that's not accurate either because family is not supposed to be perfect. It can't. How can you have perfection with people that are imperfect? Come on. How many of you know marriage is not perfect? Marriage is quite messy. Some of you singles, your daydreams. Oh my gosh. You watch too much Disney. You just, you, I can't wait to get married. Oh, it's just going, we're going to skip through the park. We're going to have picnics. We're going to go on vacations. And you know what's going to happen on those vacations? You're going to argue. You're going to go on picnics, but you know what's going to happen on those picnics? He forgot the drinks. <laughs> How many know this is so true? But see, we live in realities that are either based by media, television, fantasy. And here's something you need to learn about fantasy. Fantasy is always better than reality. So be careful how far you let your mind go. Because fantasy never takes into account what goes wrong. What goes wrong? So you fantasize about things and you only fantasize about what's good. But reality has a way of slapping you back into place and going, yeah, there's good there, but guess what else comes along with the good? Some bad. Because nobody's perfect. Marriage isn't perfect. Somebody say, thank God you're saying this, Pastor. I thought I was in trouble. Hey, family is not perfect. And can I tell you something? None of it is supposed to be. Can I, can I keep going on this, on this thought? Church is not perfect. You're, you are not perfect. Amen? Let's get rid of perfection being the goal. Let's get rid of that. Because it's never going to happen. Stop looking for the perfect marriage, the perfect family. And let's set some new goals. Can I get an amen on that? Let's start defining things the proper way. Quit, quit holding your life up against somebody's Instagram. 
we, we, when we go and learn, Instagram is just the highlights. That's all it is. Praise God for it. It's just highlights. And behind every picture, a family picture, is some yelling going on. Boy, if you don't sit still, I'm going to slap you. Take the picture, hurry. How many have ever been there? I mean, it is the reality of what it takes. And everybody just sees the picture like, oh, that's so cool. They look like the perfect family. It's not perfect. I remember one of the first times we had family photos with all three kids and Diego, he gets to be the bad guy in this one, but he was probably about two years old, two years old or so. We could not get that kid to just sit still and be normal. We would all be posing and he'd be like this. Ah, ah. So no joke. Finally, I just said, man, just take the picture like that. And we got a picture in our house and he's like, ah. I said in my mind, I'm going to use this at your wedding someday. And they gonna, everybody's going to see how bad of a little boy you were. You wouldn't even sit still. So we have, we have that. How many had a kid like that? Amen. How many are that kid in here? Yeah, some of you. And so, and so are, are you guys catching? I'm trying to lay some foundation to get rid of our fantasies and then get rid of some of our realities. As I said earlier, family for a lot of us looks different than maybe what we see on TV and what we experience with other people. And guys, and this is why it's so important that you build relationships with other people because they give you a window into their life. They give us windows into how other people may living, but may be living to add to some of our experiences. And so for you, Thanksgiving's coming up, right? For some of us, it wasn't a very special holiday. Because that was the time when all the men came over, all the families came over, but all the men went in the backyard around the beer and got drunk. And then what happened in the house is all the tias got together around that table and talked bad about their men. Come on, somebody. And all the kids went in the room and no adult supervision. And there was always that one real hood cousin. You know what I'm talking about. Real hood and he want to do something crazy. Let's play with a Ouija board. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what I'm talking about. And so, and so families, many times, right? It's not good memories. Because sometimes when there was no adult supervision, kids were getting scarred. By nine o'clock, when some of the men were just so drunk out of their mind, the argument started. I don't have to keep painting that picture. Some of you lived it. And so family has a different connotation. We've got to get what God's word says about family. Let me read Galatians chapter six, verse 10 in the amplified version. It says this. It says, so then while we as individual believers have the opportunity let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith. 
which means born again believers. And what Galatians is trying to tell you here is to embrace your new family. Embrace a new family experience that we can gather together around Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want you to take notes today because this is really going to help you. All right. Especially some of us that didn't grow up in households that were healthy. Amen. Especially for some of us, maybe your 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 home was broken. And this is usually the 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 place where, you know, sometimes we defend our brokenness. Oh, well, you know, yeah, I didn't have a dad, but I was I'm straight. Listen, nobody's saying you're not. Let's let's put the walls down. You don't need to defend your position on this. I'm not, I'm not t- trying to tell you you're wrong or you're bad if you came from a family that was broken or if you came from a family that had issues, which is all of us. Come on, somebody. Everybody's got issues. But you don't need to defend your position and sit there and go, well, yeah, but my family wasn't like that and I still came out okay by the grace of God. But let's not defend that and then pass it on to the next generation. Wouldn't you want to fix it if it was in your power to fix? Wouldn't you want to correct the situation so that your little mijito and mijita doesn't have to continue the generational curse of making the exact same mistakes you did? Now, I, you know, I heard some ignorance recently. I, I, was, uh, I was talking to somebody and I was, they were telling me what their teenager was doing. And, and I was like, well, why don't you tell them not to do that? And this person said this, well, I feel like a hypocrite because when I was their age, that's what I was doing. I said, no, be a smart person. You of all people should know where that's leading. Do you hear how ignorant it is? They're more concerned about being hypocritical than helping their child not repeat the same mistakes. Well, I don't want to say nothing because, you know, I got pregnant at a young age. Then you should know how hard it was. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. That makes you a dispenser of wisdom. Oh, come on, somebody. Let me amen myself on that, you know, because... There's too much of us, you know, oh, well, I can't say anything because look what I did. No, you're exactly the person that can say it because you did it and you felt the stint. You felt the hurt. You felt it. You know who better to listen to than someone that burned their hand on the stove. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hey, don't touch that stove. Look what it did to me. Are you are you tracking with me today? So, so as we're getting into these things, you don't have to defend your position, please. And and let me just say this. I don't have the perfect family. I hear gasps all over the room. (gasps) Pastor, we don't have the perfect family. Let me take it a step further. We don't have the perfect marriage. I wasn't raised by the perfect parents. My dad has given me uh, dirty looks in the back. What? Well, you better back up. And I'll tell you why, because nobody is and nobody has. There's good and bad in everything. My mom and dad did their best to raise me and my brothers and they did a lot of things right. But my dad would be the first to tell you, man, there's some things I wish I could have did different. 
We all have those feelings, which is why as we look at the next generation, we got to value God's word and we got to stop trying to live life based on our limited experience. So many of us are trying to raise kids simply based on how you were raised. And I feel sorry for your kids. You know where you can get help? Read a book. How many parents have ever just taken a moment and said, you know what? Let me get a book on being a good mom. Let me, let me go get a book that actually teaches me how to father my kid. But you know what? The average person, they don't do that. They just go, oh, I got this. I got this. And you know what that's called? Pride. Pride will keep you locked in, repeating the same mistakes as your mom your dad, your grandma, your grandpa. Come on, it could go down the, the, the line. If somebody would have just read a book, everything could have changed. Everything could have changed. Instead, what do we do? We hunker down and we go, I can do this. How many moms are raising kids when you and your mom's relationship was bad? <laughs> You couldn't even stand your mom. And now you're a mom. And you're just like, I figure it out. Figure it out. Buy a book. Ask a question. Get around some folks where you see that their kids act normal. And go, How'd you get them kids to act normal? But you know what? Pride won't let you. And so you'll stay at home every night with a crying baby and you don't know why he's crying and you don't know how to make him stop. But instead of going to somebody who's did this two or three times, you will sit there and just, well, we'll figure it out. Come on, man. That's pride. Can I tell you something else it is? That's dumb. Woo, tell your neighbor he's talking to you today. He's talking to you. So look at, I, got, I might have some scriptures back there, guys. I didn't, I didn't send these in because I got these later in the week. But let me just read to you Proverbs 15, 6. You can write these down. Proverbs 15, 6 says this, the house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. Proverbs 15, 6, I'll read it again. The house of the righteous contains great treasure. Don't you want your house to contain great treasure? But we all know the household where the income is only bringing in wickedness and ruin. Maybe the house you grew up in was simply filled with wickedness and ruin. But here's the thing. You could change everything for you and yours if you open up yourself to some truth. If you just stop defending your position of, well, you know, I didn't have everything and I'm okay. Okay, you are. But you can get better. 
And sometimes in order to get better, you got to look at your mess and quit defending it. We got to stop going, well, I didn't have a, I didn't have a dad and I'm okay. Well, okay. Praise God for that. But is that what you want for your kids coming up? Well, you know, I, I had, a, I was raised by a single mom and she did great, man. That's awesome. Thank God for single moms that have had to hold it down. God bless you guys. But is that what you want for your children? And so you cannot pass on to them. Listen, what you do not know. You can't. It's impossible to pass something on that you do not know. And so this is where we've got to take the time and learn some stuff and and, and not defend our position and make some changes and lay some foundations so that our household can contain great treasure instead of producing ruin. Amen. Because the family's important, y'all. Why does God, why does Jesus come and reveal this great treasure to us and say, hey guys, the biggest blessing in the universe is you are no longer just God's people. You're no longer just God's, you know, uh, creation. You're his children. It's because the family is important. And this is also why, guys, the family is under attack. Satan knows that the cure for our social problems in life is family. You want to know how South Sacramento can be changed? By producing strong families. You want to know how cultures transform out of poverty? Family. Statistics will tell you that families that, that where children are raised with a mother and a father in the home do better socially and financially. The number one cause of poverty in America is not racism. The number one cause of poverty in America is not violence. You want to know what it is? The number one cause of poverty in America is children born to only one parent. It produces much more hurt and much more poverty. That's what statistics will tell you. How do we fix that? Truth. Now, praise God you made it. And praise God, single moms, you're doing it. Praise God for you. Don't you dare feel bad about this. But listen, you gotta learn another way so that we can pass that on to our kids. And when our kids have the nerve, woo, they better watch themselves. When they have the nerve and say, well, mom, you did it. You're able to look at them and say, exactly. And I want better for you. I want better for you. Think about this. Much of what is wrong in the community begins in the home. Begins in the home. Kids who run the streets with attitudes, it's because they're allowed to have attitudes in their home. Kids that run the streets and go to Walmart and steal and yell at old people, it's because they didn't learn right in the home. It all starts in the home. And why didn't they learn that in the home? Maybe because their mom's working two jobs. 
Come on, don't be so judgy right away on, on me now. Maybe they didn't learn those things because dad's always working and mom's always working and they're home in front of the phone, the tablet. My point is everything starts in the home. We have a society that values money and things way too much. I watch dads nowadays. I watch young fathers make huge mistakes. They only show love to their kids through things. So a good dad nowadays is a dad that always gets the latest PS4, 5, whatever's out. A good dad today is the dad that gets their little baby Jordans. He's a baby. Those are basketball shoes. Can't even walk and you paid a hundred bucks. Don't get me started, y'all. Don't get me started. Sorry, I'm, I almost had a Kanye rant right there, okay? But I watch young parents and the only way they know how to communicate love is through things. And that's a problem. Because giving of things is, is very limited in communicating love. See, the solution to what is wrong in the world, catch this, is found in family. It's found in family. The family is the key to a healthy community. And let me just tell you this right now. Government can't do what family can. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Government cannot do what family can't. And people right now, oh, they just love to talk politics. And every side thinks they're right. And they're championing a fallen system. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, Democrat or Republican, whatever your thing is, you're a fool if you think that government has the answers. Now, I'm not anti-government. We pray for our government. We love our government. But government has a place. And their place is not me giving them all the responsibility. I got to take responsibility for my family, for myself, for my community. Which is why I'm spending this month talking about this, because we've got to restore the proper understanding of family. Can I get an amen on that? So I'm going to give you. Uh, four pillars of what family is built on. I'm only going to get through probably one of them today and then we'll talk more about the rest of them. I like to kind of think about it as if family is a chair. These are the four legs that that chair stands on. Or if family is a table, then it would be not a table like this, but a table with four legs. If, if you took out one of those legs, that family, that table's not going to be able to stand. And I've watched uh, through the years how Satan has attacked those four pillars that hold up family, all right? This is really gonna help you today. The first leg that family is built on, y'all ready for this? Write it down. It's commitment, commitment, commitment. Some people think commitment is a bad word, but let me tell you something. You cannot build a family without commitment. And we live in a time and an age and a culture 
where people are trying to build families without commitment. Trying to build relationships without commitment. Giving away intimacy without commitment. And you will always lose when you build without commitment. I wish some parents would listen to what I'm saying today and preach these same things to your children. You know, when I was growing up, we were told not to do certain things because it would send us to hell. How many remember those days? Mom, is it okay for me to drink alcohol? No, mijo, if you drink hell, you'll go to hell. You'll go, if you drink, you'll go to hell. Mom, can I smoke cigarettes? No, mijo, if you smoke, you'll go to hell. Mom, can I do, no, mijo, that'll send you straight to hell. How many remember those days? The problem with those days is it doesn't work. Fear is not a great, is not, it's not a great uh, thing to cause you to, to, to stop doing something. You know what is? Truth. Truth. And so they told you, Miha, don't have sex before marriage because it'll send you to hell. But that's not true. What is true is that when you give out intimacy, Without commitment, you lose. It's painful. And we've got people nowadays trying to have family without commitment. And they say things like, oh, marriage is just a piece of paper. We're all, we're good. Let's, we're going to move in together. We're going to start our family. And nobody has made a commitment. And, and there's a deception thinking, well, we're just going to do it our way. But listen to the people that have already burnt themselves on that stove you're about to touch. Let's take it further. Listen to the creator who is no longer just your creator, but your heavenly father as he instructs us on how to experience things like intimacy. Everything in family, everything in marriage begins with commitment. Even Beyonce knew this when she sang, if you like it, come on, put a ring on it. Now I got some of y'all's attention right there. Yeah, don't make me do the dance up here. I, I, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. You know the song. Don't look at me. Beyonce, who's that? If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. She tried to tell you. Because we need commitment. Ladies, a man that won't commit to you is showing you something. Write this down. There's power in commitment. There's power in commitment. When a man can commit, he is demonstrating to you. Catch this now. I'm powerful. I'm in control. I got this. When a man can't commit, it's because he doubts his own abilities. 
and you should not be with him till he gets himself together. Ooh, that's good preaching right here. Trying to save somebody from making a mistake. I'm just going to let that marinate over you right there. There is power in commitment. Let me tell you something else. Number two, there is security in commitment. Security in commitment. And what does every family need? Every family needs power and every family needs security. Ladies, why would you connect yourself to somebody that refuses to provide either of these for you? You're making a mistake because you cannot build a family with somebody with no power and no security. You could try and there's a lot of fools out there trying. Come on, we all know some of them. Hey, they're trying. And you say, oh, pastor, that's jacked up. Why you call him a fool? I'm not, the word does. I'm blaming God on this one. <laughs> Write this down. You make better decisions when you're committed. You make better decisions when you're committed. And let me give you a tweetable little quote here. Uh, write this down. The achievement of your goal is determined the minute you commit. The achievement of your goal is determined the minute you commit. And can I just tell you, that's for anything. You want to start a business, but you're not committed to seeing it all the way through, probably won't make it. Let's just see will only get you so far. You know what I'm talking about? We've all been there. Hey, I don't know if it's going to work, but let's just see. That's a good way to start. That's okay. But at some point, you're going to have to put two feet into it. You know, you date somebody. It's like, I don't know where this is going. Let's just see. Perfect starting point. But at some point, where's this thing going? Are we committing to each other or are we not? And if we're not, then let's, let's go a different direction. Come on, tell your neighbor he's talking to you. He's talking right to you. See, commitment's a powerful thing, y'all. Don't start a business without commitment. And definitely don't try to start a family without commitment. This is why God, let me change the, the, the verbatim here. This is why daddy tells his little girls, don't sleep with a man until he makes you his wife. Oh, pastor, now that's just old teaching. This is the, this is the you know, 20s right now. We're, this is 2021. It ain't like that no more. Well, hold up. Your daddy tells you that because that thing that he created called covenant and sex works best under commitment. And if you give that up before commitment enters the relationship, it will hurt you. It'll hurt you. I know, I know it's not what the world tells you. 
It's not what your favorite rapper's been telling you. I know, I know. He's really your pastor, not me. I know, I know. You, you do everything your favorite singer says, everything, everything Taylor Swift sings about. That's your life, I know. Oh, don't talk about Tay-Tay. I felt it in the room. Or whoever your thing is. I know they're not going to tell you that. But guys, let's remember the family that we're in now. We were in their family. We're not anymore. Now in our family, our Heavenly Father's trying to tell you, son, daughter, if you're going to start a good family, it begins with commitment. And if somebody won't commit to you, they don't get the goodies. Somebody needs to tweet that. No goodies, no goodies. And let me tell you something, no candies, no candies for you. Okay. But here's the thing, here's the thing, y'all. I can say this, right? But it carries more weight when you talk to your kids about this. And some of you don't. And maybe it's because you don't know. So I hope you're taking notes today, parents. I hope you're taking notes today. Because it's not my responsibility to keep your little mijito on the right path. That's your responsibility. I'm just trying to give you the, the, the information, the, 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 the word. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. So desire is the key to motivation, right? But it's determined through its determination and commitment to an unrelenting pursuit of your goal that causes you to succeed. Success is found in anything you're doing with commitment. You'll never succeed until you commit. Why do we try to have families without commitment? You wouldn't hire an employee if he wasn't committed to his job. But yet you'll date somebody who won't commit to you. It doesn't make sense. And often the logic of the world never does. If you're going to have a strong family, it takes commitment. Dad, maybe it's time for you to recommit to that marriage. Get rid of that. You know, you got that foot on the door still. Well, if this don't work, I, I, I'm still young enough. I go get another one. You ain't young enough. Shut that door. You lying to yourself. You will never get better than what you got right now. So commit to it. So commit to it. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? Shut the door. Tina knows this is it. This is it. This is it. We, we got to make this work. So you know what that means? We go to counseling. We get help. Because this is it. So it's the, our decision. How, how is our it going to be? Because you're not leaving me. And I'm not leaving you. Do you see the power in that, y'all? But some of y'all got the door cracked open a little bit. Still holding numbers on your phone and stuff. 
It never gets better till you commit. Now, when you commit, that's when you have now power to do what it takes to fix things. Like, I don't understand these folks. I ain't going to no counselor. Why? I'm going to sit on that couch and tell somebody all my problems. Oh, so it's better to just to have a jacked up marriage. It's better just to be miserable. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? The logic in this. I've said since the beginning of this church, I want the culture of our married couples to be, we get help when we need it. It should be like, if you don't get some form of counseling in your marriage, my question is, well, why not? Why not? Oh, I don't like that. Do you like going to work every day? No, but you do it. Come on, we got to do some stuff we don't like. You get me on a tangent, y'all. Come on, I want to end this over for you. We're going to get, well, get you in a good mood for Thanksgiving before I let you go here. So commitment, y'all. How do we build families without commitment? Let me tell you this. This is a, this is a good jump off point for this. How do you build a strong relationship with God without commitment? Everything great you want in life, you got to commit to it. And so this, this thing in our culture, like, oh, I'm afraid of commitment. So you afraid of having a good life. Yeah, I just don't like that word commitment. Somebody says that, you go, oh, so you like mediocrity. Oh, so you like taking L's in life. Come on, somebody, amen? Because success begins with commitment. I dare you to find a life coach that'll tell you different. I dare you to find a self-help book, a leadership book that'll tell you different. So why do we begin relationships and have children with people that are not committed to us? Why do we give and reward? You know, intimacy is a reward. And you know what it's a reward for? Commitment. That's what she said when she said, put a ring on it. If you like it, put a ring on it. You know what that means? You commit to me, you get the goodies. Oh, come on, somebody, amen. (laughs) You can have the kindies, okay? The kindies are yours. I I want to talk to parents right now because parents, I think we're too lenient in our understanding because we, we go, oh, well, this is just the time we're in. But if I could arm you with some logic and some, and some understanding, you could give your kids good advice. You could teach them the ways of God instead of just throwing your hands up and going, well, the times are different. Yeah, they're still going to have to make their decisions, but help them. Help them make their decisions by understanding you can't have a family without commitment. It won't work. It won't be strong. It won't be lasting. Remember, there's power in commitment. There's security in commitment. And the two things that family should be, y'all ready? Family should be powerful. It should be powerful. And family should also make you feel secure. When the world's going crazy, we can get together at Thanksgiving and we can have a good meal and we can feel good and we can give God praise and we can celebrate our blessings.
Come on, we could, we could just look around the table and go, we're going to be all right. How many know what I'm talking about? Commitment. Help me out, uh, Charles. Commitment. I'm going to spend the next few weeks going over other uh, 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 components or legs to that table of family. But it all starts with commitment. Maybe this is a challenge for some of you, especially some of you that are dating. Sorry, man, I didn't mean to make you put you under the pressure or the gun or whatever. But the truth is this, if you're not ready for commitment, that's quite all right. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's all right, it's all right. Just know this, don't expect intimacy without it. That's all. You're not ready to commit, that's good, that's smart. But don't expect intimacy without it. And if you're a female in here, never reward somebody for not being committed to you by giving them intimacy. You may have to change the music you listen to to get those ideas out of your head. You may have to stop watching certain movies and being in agreement. But I'm just telling you, it's not the way your dad set it up. And you will always lose because intimacy is a reward for commitment. When somebody's ready to be committed, you know what that means? It means they're powerful. And it also means they'll provide you with security. Because any man that would take intimacy without commitment is not thinking about you. He's thinking about himself. And that's not somebody you want to marry. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Did this help anybody today? Come on, let's stand on our feet this morning. If it wasn't for you, it was for your kids. I hope you got it. I hope you got it. Because you need to have these conversations with your children. You need to have these conversations with your grandchildren. And here's the greatest thing I want you to take away. Even a relationship with God begins with a commitment. Some of us in this room, you go to church, but you ain't committed to God. You're not committed to him yet. And you're you're like, you want all the blessings. You want all the intimacy. You want all the stuff that comes from being a Christian, but you're not committed. It's not going to happen. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.